You're listening to Mike and Kristen. The podcast. I'm Mike, a musician, writer, and producer. And I'm Kristen, a painter, writer, and designer. Our show is all about following dreams, taking chances, and what life as an artist is really about. Together, we bring you weekly guest interviews and thought-provoking conversations. Let's go! What's happening, Kristen Harrington? I'm just off in La La Land a little bit tonight. Yeah, why so? We had a big, we've had a big couple days. Yeah, explain, explain to the listeners out there what's going on. Oh, it's been a wonderful few days. We're moving into uh, Togetherland, the new art gallery. And in, I was going to say Inganish. That's how beach I am. Ingramport. Yeah, it's uh, pretty darn sweet, coming together nicely. Still lots of work to do and lots of space to fill, but you did your first painting there like an hour ago. You know what's neat about it? I think, you know, when you move into a new house, when we were house hunting, looking around, it was completely furnished. So we didn't have this real sense of an empty room. Yeah. And when we went to Togetherland for the first time, it was almost overwhelming. Like you could have a bowling alley in there is how it felt. But just taking over a few things and filling it in, I it it feels much more manageable. Yeah, it's coming to life, I guess is the best way to put it. Your your art is starting to fill the walls, so that's color and life enough. Yeah, but it's coming together. There's a couple creatures been around, a raccoon yeah. and uh, Bobby the groundhog. Groundhog, yes. Mm-hmm. Pretty cute. Yeah, but we uh, we shot the groundhog, ate him for supper. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> had a bonfire down at the beach. Yeah, what are you gonna? You have a very busy week coming up too. It's ECMAs. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so I'm in a basketball game tonight, mm-hmm. and uh, and I have a couple shows and a hockey game as well. So whole bunch of stuff that's just how we how we live and speaking of busy today's guest kyle mckenna is no exception to the busyo meter yeah he's got a brand new album under a brand new artist name mm-hmm. coming out in like a week i guess yeah so he's stage name he's going by black rook which we talk about how that name came to yeah. be in the episode and He's coming back on the scene with a big release on May 11th at uh, Gus's Pub yeah. downtown, and it's only 10 bucks at the door, so we, we hope everybody can make it out. We're going to be there. That's the plan, unless you get some type of basketball sprained ankle, but it's Highly do probable. <clears throat> you got your new Jordans. You're all yeah. set. But Kyle has been uh, on the, in the music scene for a long time. When I first started, he was playing with the Caravan which was this super cool live band behind him. And he's he's rapping and he's got these crazy word plays and like the, the amount of words he has in the song are like <laughs> unfathomable, really. It's really unique what he can do and his spectrum of talent, I'll call it. Yeah, like doing these really fast raps, but he's got an interesting way of... What you might think of for traditional hip-hop music, I feel like Kyle does it a little bit different. He's outside the box, for sure. It's really thoughtful stuff, too. Mm -hmm. It's not... um, A lot of the mainstream, I guess, rap that you listen to or you hear is a little more... Aggressive? Aggressive, sexualized, like there'd be different ways. Not always. I feel like we're not necessarily equipped to talk about rap music. Yeah, that's true, but... Yeah, we better just put a pin in it because we really don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> I certainly don't, but I but I love so- what Kyle does. I, I I feel happy listening to his yeah. music. Like it makes me feel a little bit badass, and like I want to be dancing or driving a car really fast or just something exhilarating. Yeah, it's pretty pretty fun, and we actually play. We're gonna play one of his songs at the end. We did this in our last episode, Rose playing a fiddle tune to take us out. And now we have a one of the songs that's going to be on the upcoming release for Black Rook. And it also features another local artist, Nicole Ariana. This is a pretty special offering because this yeah. song is not released yet. Not released yet. So you can hear part of it. We won't play the whole thing. You can hear part of it here for the first time. 
Yeah. Uh, and I also want to say Kyle brought us presents, guys. Yeah. We reveal the gifts at the end of the episode, so stick around for that. But words from Kyle were that he's hoping he sets the standard now for future podcast guests. Every guest has so to bring No this. expectations, but Kyle thinks if you want to kind of live up to his presence here. Yeah, I agree with Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, we won't say anything uh, in the introduction this time again. We'll just let uh, Kyle's tune take us out, Black Rook's tune. And that one's called Back Row. Awesome. Well, another great episode. It was so fun just to catch up with Kyle. We've known him for years and hadn't seen him in years. So it was uh, just great to see him again. He's such a nice guy and really enjoyed this chat again. Let's dive right in. Head first. Belly flop. Ooh, jackknife. Cannonball. Uh, dolphin swim. Dolphin swim. Okay. Okay, over here. I have to buy Mike a new hoodie usually every six months because I get paint or food or something on it. But I... T- you have the Art Pays Me sweatshirt that I said I would not wear, but I have. You're allowed to Did wear you get it. paint on it? Don't wear painting. No, I didn't get paint on this one, but there's some type of like maybe cinnamon bun or remnants. That of washes off, though. <laughs> we'll be all right. There's always like a pile of crumbs around me like pig pen after I eat. Underrated Peanuts character. You think? I think so. Yeah. Who's your favorite? pretty sick. Like maybe pig pen. Maybe pig pen. Yeah. I don't know. I just, yeah, it just cracked me up. I always seen him come in with his little fluff of dust everywhere. <laughs> cracked it up. Did you watch that growing up? A little bit. Like, you know, the Charlie Brown Christmas and the Great Pumpkin. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. We only had two channels. So I had to, like, any time that a cartoon was on, it didn't matter what it was. It was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose, eh? Rural Nova Scotia Country living. cable, right? Yeah. Where did you grow up? The Valley. You're from the valley. Yeah. I didn't know Where'd that. you grow up? Yeah. Let's Just get into it, Kyle. Where did I grow up? Holy the road shit! For real? Me. <laughs> no, <laughs> Starting off up, heavy. I grew up down in uh, down Timberley. Ah, yeah. nice. Right on. Yeah. Are you a uh, Sir John A. High School guy? Or I went there, man. Yeah. I went through it. Oh, that's not what it's called anymore. No, I think Bayview. It's Bayview. Bayview. Yeah. 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 I went to uh, yeah Bayview. Sure. Bayview. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Uh, what was early life for Kyle growing up in, in Timberley like? Interesting. Yeah. I was, yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. I was uh, kind of a weird kid. I was yeah. shy. Kept to myself pretty quiet. Mm. A little unsure, that kind of thing. So uh, really? socially awkward. Like, socially awkward. <laughs> Did you have a big family? No. Yes, yes and no. I mean, I have uh, a lot of cousins on both sides, a lot of aunts and uncles on both sides, but we're not, we're not really tight. Okay. There wasn't a big annual family reunion then? No, no. For the most part, it's my immediate family. So mother, father, my sister, and then um, my grandmother, Danny Oni, on the on my mom's side were the tightest. And you were a shy, shy kid growing up right, right now. And since we've known you, you're this like larger than life personality who radiates just I don't know, good good vibes, good times, just this beautiful to. energy. Yeah, I you're very to. magnetic. Like you oh, have shit. you make Thanks, people guys. feel very much at ease. I try to. I think it's um I think it's one of those things that comes with being a, a big person. Like there's like, wit- yeah. physically like physically mean? big. Yeah. Like I just know that, you know, you can I've seen it. I've watched people bully people around just because of size. Yeah. I was probably guilty of that more than I'd like to admit when I was younger and didn't really know any better. Right. But as I've grown up, I realized like that's just kind of, you know, it's low hanging fruit, just like making people feel uncomfortable just because I am a big person. So I always try to dial that back down and try to make people feel like welcome. It's going to be cool. We're good. I'm not going to, you know, get after you unless you give me a reason to get after you. Then it's a different story. But for the most part, yeah, I try to keep a nice kind of mellow vibe. Was there some type of um, shift that happened in your personality? Something you, uh, you found, discovered, or went through that you kind of came out of your shell? or Oh, it was probably my grade 12 year of high school because I was yeah. always like, man, I'm just, I was a weird kid. Uh, like I said, a little bit, 
nervous, I guess, nervous to do the wrong thing or whatever. And once grade 12 hit, I was like, you know, I'm in this, this is it. This is the last year of school. I might as well just try and be myself. So I got into performing. I did, yeah. uh, you know, a couple of talent shows and uh, it was a John A. Idol we did. So I sang a, cu- a couple of songs there and just kind of let myself go a bit more. Mm. And that was it. And then I was yeah. like, okay, this is cool, you know. And was that the intro to you pursuing music? Uh, yeah. I mean, I played uh, in the school band in junior high and through high school. So I played drums uh, and percussion all through junior high and high school. I would always try to get to <laughs> a lot of people that were in my band class. Uh, I owe you an apology because I wouldn't let anybody play the drum kit. <laughs> I said, if I'm play, if I'm going, if I'm going to be, if I'm in the school band, I'm playing the kit. So I remember I'm playing the only I'm cool playing, instrument. I'm playing here. the only cool instrument. You, can, you, you know? can say their names and apologize directly right now if you <laughs> oh, want. Oh shit! Well, that goes out to Ryan O'Connor and John White. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, boys, but that kit was mine. And I would just show up early, be the first person there, get in, get on the drum kit, rock little grooves. And uh, then once I got into high school, I realized that in the new music room, not only did, you know, I would get there early, I'd play on the kit. I kind of established myself as being a kit drummer. Don't got the chops anymore. But at the time, I think I was half decent. I did okay. But they had a stereo system in there. So I would just show up with my burnt CDs and put them in and I would just rap before class. I always loved rap music. I always rapped to myself in my headphones and stuff. But then I had like the big sound system to kind of play it out loud and just, you know, I'd be there 15 minutes early. So I just let the vocals go, let myself go and and just get into it. And that's when I think I really started to feel like, oh shit, I'm, I guess I'm pretty good at this. I'm good at reciting what other people have written. So this is kind of fun. And then as I say, as I got older and became a little bit more assured of, of myself, I guess, as far as performing was concerned. I said, okay, I'm going to try out for this. I'll do John A. Idol. I'll, I'll get up on the, what is it, the <laughs> costume walk for Halloween, but I'm going center stage. I'm going to dance like a bit of a fool, but pretty cool to this music because I'm dressed as a 70s pimp and I'm going to win this thing, you know? like <laughs> So little little moments like that where I just realized like I wasn't afraid to be on stage anymore and yeah. to be in front of people expressing myself musically i think was the last year year and a half of high school when i really kind of said okay let's yeah. let's start doing this and did you start writing then as well yeah i did i started you know writing raps and stuff when i was uh yeah through like junior high they were they were pretty emo raps they were pretty yeah you know I don't know. Somebody said like I kind of rhymed like Busta Rhymes. It was all really fast, really fast. And I mean, him and Big Pun are some of my major influences. So fast rap to me, I always really loved. But a lot of people don't. So it was. <laughs> so it's kind of like I can do all this kind of crazy shit with all these words. People like, yeah, I guess that's kind of cool. But so I just slowly kept working on refining it. And I would have friends I'd call up and and recite stuff to over the phone. Like, yeah, that's pretty cool. But you're you, you're really fast, man. Like, no, <laughs> not everybody likes that. So. It's really impressive, Kyle. Like, we were listening to some of your stuff before you came, and Mike yeah. and I both were, like, just talking about how complicated it sounds to do. And something I wanted to ask you both that you yeah. have kind of answered already was okay. just how you train yourself to do that. So were you, you were listening to other people's songs and mm-hmm. singing along to them? And, and like, did yeah. that help you develop speed or memory? Like, what skills did you have to work on? Hmm. For me, I guess it was breath control was something that mm-hmm. I really learned from reciting other people's stuff. Because, like I said, I was an awkward kid growing up. I didn't make, like, I have a few close friends that I'm still friends with to this day. But overall, I was really kind of in my own head. And I would just put my headphones on and I would just listen to my music and sit in the middle of the bus. So I wasn't a nerd up at the front of the bus, but I wasn't also in the back with the kids, like lighting the chairs on fire and shit just in the middle. And I would just kind of do my thing and listen to this music and just like, just kind of barring along with it. And so learning the breath control and then memorizing songs. Once I realized like memorizing lyrics came really quickly to me, which drove my folks insane. Cause I'm probably the most forgetful person in the world. I walked home in the middle of a Selective blizzard memory, huh? without a jacket. I walked through the door, but dad looks at me and goes, dude, where's your jacket at? I was like, oh yeah, I had it. Ja-. It's like, it's snowing. Like it's blowing again. Like, what are you doing? So, but I know all but the I lyrics to this Buster Rhymes album. It's crazy. Check this out. Yeah, but dad. <laughs> but dad, this is so worth it. But uh, yeah. So I guess always was just kind of, kind of honing that, that kind of, or working out that muscle just out of like, I don't know. 
um, I wouldn't really say it like an obsession, but it's just something that I was just passionate about. You know, it's so. it's a unique skill. I mean, and any singer like Mike, you could say the same for your style of singing. You still have to develop a voice and your vocal cords and there's technique behind it. But mm. what you do is just so, I, I guess, outside the box of what maybe we typically would listen to or what we hear around here with Mike's being a rock singer. Yeah. It just feels like the brain power that goes into it would be like you would have to be laser focused uh i guess i think like nowadays like performing some of my own stuff or remembering old songs and like it just i don't want to sound arrogant or whatever it just kind of comes naturally now but at the time like it did take a lot of of learning it like really figuring out yeah. okay this and the oh the breath is right there if you don't hit that breath you can't finish off that whole couplet yeah that kind of thing right but i always kind of equated it to for me anyway i think of the syllables as a snare drum okay so like a marching snare and that's how i kind of bounce the words back and forth in my head which i think is why i was always drawn to faster rap okay because i like the first instrument i played was marching snare yeah right and then that just kind of makes total sense though yeah yeah and then try now that I've gotten a little bit more seasoned with it and I'm working on like the inflections and dynamics of like how, how to say words or where to put the oomph in or in, and that kind of stuff. So I don't know if this is going to sound corny, but like working off of a drum kit and learning it all again, O's sound like this, all these different O's work together, you know, yeah. A's sound like that. That kind of sounds like a symbol. Okay. That's your crash, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a super cool way to look at it. Totally. I love yeah. this. I never would have thought of that myself, but yeah, it must. This and right and you playing face. drums first off in your your musical career has yeah. has probably was a seamless transition into this. It just yeah, it just kind of clicked, you know. Um, so I I don't know if it came naturally or whatever. I did definitely yeah. work at it. I yeah. really worked at trying yeah. to get you know get sharp because that was that was one thing for me. It's like if I'm gonna do a song, even now when I'm recording stuff with uh, with my buddy Mark who produced this whole new album. Yeah. When I'm recording stuff with him, he's he's always like, "We can pick it up in the middle. We can take breaks." I'm like, "No, but I if you I want to deliver it in one take because that's how it's supposed to sound yeah. in my head. This is how it sounds. But you know, sometimes just not a good day, out of breath, out of shape. Yeah. You know." Then these these things that I wrote a couple months ago, they don't quite hit the same. So it's like, we'll just take a breath, we'll patch back in, pick yeah. it up, match the energy, and and go from there. But there's always a side of me that just wants to be like, okay, one take, Timmy, let's go, put it on, and we're going <laughs> yeah. in, right? And I feel like with recording, especially with vocals, you have to be able to do it all the way through, and it sound awesome because that's what you got to do on stage. Yeah, because if you're just doing pieces off it and you can't put it put it out there like that in front of a live audience there's no point no but when you can do it awesome in one take then i feel like it's fair game to piece it together because you want the recording to sound obviously as good as possible definitely and maybe if having a big breath where you could only get a little (laughs) breath is going to make that next verse sound better like it's you're still going to be able to do it live but on that recording it's that little extra percentage that it dials in yeah. And makes it a little bit better. That's one thing that I yeah, just have to kind of learn to to roll with. It's not all about my little ego being like, I got to do it all in one take. It's better to to take those breaks. Because like you said, it makes the, the end product, that, that quality's there. Yeah. And geez, I, I remember being in the studio, uh, the Sonic Temple, a really nice studio in downtown Halifax. Yeah. And uh, we, were, we were tracking our second album in like 2011 or something like that. And... Bruce, our drummer, he was, we were going through some tracks and he was on whatever, take three or four for the, for the drums. And he was getting frustrated, like, oh my God, I got to get this down. And our engineer, Darren, he's like, oh, geez, take as many as you want. He's like, we had winter sleep in like a few weeks earlier. Mm -hmm. And the drummer winter sleep is kind of universally known as like one of the best drummers to ever live. Okay. he's, He's so good. And he's like, oh yeah, Lowell would do like 20 takes a song. Like, and we're like, oh, <laughs> and he's yeah. the best there is, right? Yeah. So, like that, that makes us feel good. We're our yeah. own worst critics usually. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So did developing this, Kyle, also then contribute to your self-confidence? Yeah, big time. Yeah, big time. It was just one of those things. Like 
you know how much fun it is. I don't know how many rap songs you guys know by heart, word for word. But when that song comes on and you know it, you know how much fun you have rapping along to it. Yeah. If you're hitting every part. And I was just like, I know a ton of songs. So then, of course, you can hype people up. If you know every word to every song. It's, it's very fun. That's a and you know it feels fun to me. But this was something else that like this being your profession. Yeah, there's more to it than just being at a dance party. But oh, that's yeah. absolutely how it makes you feel big time. Yeah, yeah, like that. That energy is. I don't know. Like it's something. It's something different. It just it just grabs a hold of you, especially when like once I started becoming more confident with my own writing, cause it was one thing yeah. to perform other people's songs or to, you know, just be like, Oh man, I know that, you know, I know the whole first verse to you ain't a killer by pun. You want to hear it? Or like that comes on and you just started rattling it off. And people are like just losing their shit. Even if it's just like a couple of friends, but then to be like, okay, I can take what I'm learning from these other artists and I'm going to try to, to pen together my own stuff and I'll be it, you know, some of my stuff has been corny or hasn't been the coolest or hasn't been technically as good as I wanted it to be. And of course we're, like you said, our own worst critics looking back, the artist or the creative curse, right? You finish a project and immediately you've gotten better from doing the project. So that project doesn't sound as good to you anymore. Yeah. yeah. Right. I don't know. I remember the first time I ever met you. Yeah was and going back to me saying you're this kind of larger than life personality it was at the liquor store oh, on Quin, <laughs> Quinpool Road and I I don't know what I was getting some something cheap anyway and this is I don't know 15 years ago maybe oh, shit. something like that <laughs> and you were just you're at the cash yeah. and you're like rapping to yourself and kind of just vibing out I'm like that guy's so damn cool like you just yeah, like shit. we'd wait in line longer just so we could go to Kyle's till. <laughs> yeah, you're just like this. You were so happy too. Like I was having a good time, man. I was having a good time. Like I, yeah, I would specifically go to you just like to get to say hi. And uh, you, I don't know if you were writing or just working on was, or just songs you liked or what. I was probably it was it was one of the two. I was yeah. either just singing along to something in my that was stuck in my head yeah. or I was working on something because I'll just kind of get into uh just get into my head and just start repeating. Like that's what happens when I'm writing something. I think up like a cool a cool little thing. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, okay, I can build off of this. Kind of goes like this. Okay, so I got to start from the beginning and that's kind of how I get like each of my next lines or figure it out is just, I'll go back from the beginning and just like, I'm in my own little world. Da, 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 da. Okay. Oh, that kind of works there and slide that in. Right. Are you so, doing it all in your head too? Uh, I'll do it in my head. And then it gets to a point where it's like that, that's where the repeating comes in. Cause I'm yeah. like at the cash and some sort of funny thing or some clever line comes into my head. Yeah. I have to just keep repeating it or yeah. I'm going to forget it. Yeah. Right. Like I work with my hands now, mm -hmm. same thing. Like I don't have time to just stop and write something down. Yeah. I have to just, I have to keep running it back in my head yeah. until I get somewhere, get to a break or get somewhere where I can pull out the phone and put it in notes or, or that kind of thing. I read somewhere that Jay-Z has never written a word down for songs. He just has them in his head. I heard that. I'm like, that is insane. If it's true. That's wild. I think it's something, I don't know that I could be totally wrong, but I, pretty sure he did write and got to a point now where he doesn't have to anymore. yeah i think little wayne's in the same same boat where they just like they just write almost in their heads and also they have access to the best studios in the world so you get a great idea you just run to your living room or run down to wherever and, yeah. and put it on record it right now like there was a really interesting documentary i can't remember it but it was just following wayne around and he was just in his room in his hotel room with a simple microphone simple setup on it, and just putting stuff out there yeah. putting out freestyles putting out just getting the ideas out of his head because like i said if you don't get them out like you'll forget them i don't know how many times i've thought of something really clever or like just this really cool burn i'm like oh yeah that's gonna be amazing and then i go five minutes later completely forget how it went yeah and can't find it. I've lost so many just from not being able to get them recorded or wrote, wrote down somewhere until it finds a place in the middle of a song. Then I know where it is. And it, then it's easy to, easy to remember. But if yeah. it's just that idea, that little like four bar, a little two bar couplet, if I don't get it written down, eventually it just, it just 
gone. Your antennas are up and they're <laughs> the, the little bits of information are floating around and you got to yeah. grab them when you can. That's it. <laughs> That's it. We have a very, very special sponsor of this episode that we both love dearly with all our hearts. The Rustic, Rustic Crust Pizza. Pizza. Yum, yum, yum. In Upper Tan Talon, Nova Scotia. These folks started off in a food truck and they now have a fully functioning restaurant. They've got a beer garden for the summertime. They get rent out for private events. They have everything there. Yeah, I can honestly say it's my favorite pizza in the world. Like, really? 10 out of 10. So delicious. It's my favorite spot to eat. And I play a lot of gigs there. They treat me like a god when I go there. They're so nice. It's hard to believe that a local pizza spot is such good supporters of the arts. They're also very supportive of community events. They have taken in a Ukrainian family. They're always giving to fundraising events. They're just amazing people across the board. And you have your art showcase there too. I've got art up there right now and I have to say I love their pizza as well of course but their Caesar salad is exceptional. Next level. The pizza is wood fired which makes it absolutely delicious and the tomatoes and flour are both from Italy. They've got an awesome collection of local craft beer and wine so you're sure to have a great drink to pair with your pizza. All of our guests that come to stay with us we bring them there for a meal. You can find this sweet little restaurant at 10 Sunny's Road in Upper Tan Talon. They're open Tuesday to Sunday year-round, and their website is therusticcrustpizzeria.com. Yeah, you should definitely check it out if you're in the area. You can go to the beer garden, you can go inside. It's a cool house converted into a restaurant. Great people doing great things that we truly are huge fans of, so check them out now. Rustic Rustic Crust! Rustic Crust. Crust! I, when we first met, I'm going to tell my meeting Kyle first okay. story. I don't okay. even remember the exact first time, but it would have been through your partner, Cindy, because yep. she and I have mutual friends and would mm-hmm. have met through her. But I distinctly remember you were in the caravan, which yep. we'll talk about that that okay. band, but we were doing a, a protest music oh, yeah. video. Do you remember I that? I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was maybe like a Stephen Harper It was thing. What Up Steve. What yes. Up Steve, what up, Steve? Yes. which is called for everybody out there, What Up Steve. Yeah. So many people have come up to me like, I love your song, Hey Steve. I'm like, mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> which one's that? Which one's that? You know, you know the name of the song. I know the name of the song. But you don't want to say it. So, That's yeah, cool. I like that our first meeting was being in your music video or, or thereabouts. But uh, was the Caravan your first kind of official band group? A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. That was the very Let's first Let's talk about group. that formation. That is funny. That is a funny story. Okay. So I moved out of my folks' place onto Woodle Street, which is just downtown Halifax between Agricola and Maynard. And I was living with. A uh, guy that played drums, Mark Bashinsky, and he was in a band um, with a lot of kids that he had grown up with. Our friend Mike Ritchie, they were called Burgo and the Night Owls. But that band had kind of, I wouldn't say disbanded, but everybody, it was that age where everyone was either finishing school and, and moving away, starting their lives kind of thing. So the band was kind of dissipating. So he was starting up a new band with a... Uh, a singer named Jeremy Francis, who goes by Is Love Now, if he's still performing under that name, but super talented, beautiful voice, singer-songwriter. They had a band called A New Airship, which we always kind of sit back and, and shake our heads like that band could have gone. That band had the sound. It had the songs. It really could have taken off by, you know, politics and music industry and everything, mm-hmm. whatever. But so they were playing in a band, and I'm picking a banjo and playing guitar and just being a weirdo way too high all the time <laughs> just living but uh i just kept saying i was like man i want to i want to get in your band like can i play in your band and he's like you play a banjo you're not really that great at it you're not great <laughs> at guitar like i play the drums you play the drums but i'm a better drummer than you i was like yeah you know what i can't i can't argue that you're a better drummer than me right? he's like so no you can't you can't be in the band and it's a four-piece pop oh. band like it is what it is i was like all right cool so one day they were downstairs jamming, or I can't even remember if they were jamming or they had finished rehearsal, or Mark was just down there playing on the kit or whatever. And I came down and I was just like, I got this this song, like I got this rap that I kind of wrote, you know, stick smash attacks, hi hats, a crash, mash the sound, the brass clash, accents, the pulse of the bass, bass escape sound reverberates from the notes he makes. And he's like, oh, that's kind of cool. 
do you rap? I was like, yeah, I do that too. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, I mean, we can jam on some stuff. And that's kind of how the band formed. His, so buddy, cool. his buddy Mike was was playing. And yeah, we just kind of, we were living together. And then boom, we just started started performing. We wrote a couple of hilarious songs. We released a little four song EP. And uh, yeah, there was a lot of, there was some potential there, but I was still very raw. I didn't quite know how to write a concise 16 bar verse. So my stuff was um, asymmetrical. One verse might be long. The other one could be super short and just kind of all over the place, a little disjointed. The music was very much not hip hop. Like we had one song called Big Country, which is almost like, I'm going to sound like an idiot and probably get roasted, but like a Celtic reel or something like that, kind of like a jig. So that was kind of going. We had one that was just a standard like boom bap hip hop song. So it was kind of all over the place, but just really a lot of friends hanging out, trying to make music and see what happens. And then we went out and started doing a, a couple of shows. We did a show at the bus stop theater and it went really well. We did uh hilarious mama said, knock you out cover, which is <laughs> nice. like half sung and, you know, just dudes fucking around. Yeah. But eventually we started taking it a little more serious, released a full album on vinyl called Emerald city. Interesting, experimental jazzy kind of hip hop. Uh, we got nominated for, or did we get nominated? Or were we just invited? I think we got nominated for Hip Hop Recording of the Year with Music Nova Scotia yeah. that year and uh, won Best Vinyl in the Coast. So that was kind of when we realized, okay, we're actually, yeah, we're, onto we're, something we're, here. we're actually making music people like, we can hang. We're, we got yeah. nominated. We, we put our name in the hat and they liked it. So that kind of felt cool. And uh, always tried to keep that um, original, different, sound like i i love classic hip-hop i love boom bap beats that kind of stuff but i also really loved when we were playing with a full live band and that felt like it really kind of set us apart but also the show was super dynamic as was happening like we had i think when we first were playing we had like four or five people in the band so we had like guitar bass drums myself and uh, I think we, I can't remember if we had somebody on synth as well, or maybe Mike was playing synth in between while he was doing guitar stuff as well. But anyway, it was just a really interesting, I thought original sound. It was, I was a very unique sound for sure. Yeah. And we've, uh, we've played shows together at yeah, the uh, <laughs> Elephant and Castle. That's right. We down in the some, basement. That's going back. That was, uh, there's some really fun times there. They were good. That was with, uh, with Three Sheet. Three Sheet, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did some, we did we had a lot of good shows there, actually. It was a lot of fun. Because they had, uh, I think they had every Thursday for the year. There. Yeah, they lost so that down. It was uh, kind of like a residency, a permanent residency. For Three Sheet? Yeah. 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 And, They've uh, got a reunion show coming up in they June. They do, yeah. yeah. That's going to be cool at, yeah. at the Carlton, right? That's yeah. right, yeah. And we, uh, I think I had met you at the liquor store, but I don't know if we really met. Like, I knew who right. you were. You probably didn't know who I was. Fuck. But then we, uh, yeah, we played some shows together, and yeah. it was uh, just a really cool, cool vibe. Like, Three Sheet was super unique. Yeah. You guys had a really unique sound, like the full band behind you with yeah. your, your big personality yeah. at the forefront of it. And it we were cool. doing our, our duo show, which was pretty unique at the time as well, and that place was, would be rammed. Yeah, like it was, was a cool night, man. Those Thursday nights were cool nights. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of support, you know. Um, it's been a while since I've played shows, too. Like, I miss that. Yeah. I just miss going out and, and having those good nights, having the, having the fun, having meeting new people, hanging out, putting on a performance, all that stuff. Was that, or is that still part of your drive to do this? Like. I, I want to talk about sort of the, the culture behind mm-hmm. hip-hop music and your connection to that. Okay. Are you motivated by feeling a sense of belonging to the community, or did it start off as something more of a, a hobby, or I like writing, or this helps me feel mm-hmm. confident? Uh, I think for me, it was how I would re- was connecting to my culture at the time. Um, like, um, whatever. I'm black, but I'm mixed, so I have a white father. So that's something that I found these rappers were some sort of like, I wouldn't say surrogate, but showing me a different side of like masculinity through a black lens and something that I was, I guess, looking for 
as I was developing, because as much as I respect my old man, he hates that I call him that. As much as I respect my dad, you know. <laughs> Your um, young father. My young father <laughs> at 67 now. But, uh, you know, as much as I respected him, he was, he's just, he didn't look like me. He didn't deal with the world. He, we didn't have to interact in the world in the same way. I found through rap music with all of the, you know, kind of frustrations and, and thoughts and stuff that would be going through my head. These rappers helped me understand it. albeit coming from completely different environments. Like, you know, I didn't grow up selling drugs. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really want for anything except for stuff that I didn't need. But I never needed anything. Mm-hmm. All my needs were met. Right. But I think just as far as like the culture was concerned, it was something that I was just drawn to because it wasn't really something that was in my life. Um, that's complicated family stuff that I'm not going to go into. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, with that said, I've always felt like I've put so much time and focus into into my writing and into my craft that I can't stop at anymore. Like, it's just something that's now a part of what I do. Like, I it was a long time that I wasn't recording music or playing shows or whatever. And my buddy Mark, once again, producing in his basement, making new stuff, making new songs, sending me stuff like, yo, check this out. Check this out. You should look at this. You should listen to this. We should write something, blah, blah, blah. And eventually he just hooked me with a B. I was like, that's too good not to do something for. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how this whole new album came to be. But as far as for myself and, and like, and relating to the culture and feeling like I'm a part of it, I've always felt kind of like an outlier. Um, in a weird way, like I, I mean, the caravan doesn't fit any kind of hip hop trope right? at the end of the day, other than maybe being like conscious rap or lyricism or whatever. But like, as far as really fitting in, I've always felt like an outlier, but I've always also felt that my skills with putting words together and telling stories and stuff is something that's underappreciated or overlooked. So, I always try to push myself to just not necessarily gain approval, but just prove to myself once again, when I listen to what's out there in the, you know, in the hip hop world and then listen to my own self, I'm like, yeah, that compares, that stacks up in my opinion. And I'm happy with that. Right. Do you write about certain things? Do you have certain topics that you try to stay on or what, what's, what are your songs generally trying to convey? I mean, Obviously, I'm the dopest MC in the world. Exactly. We know. Got to do it. We know. We didn't even bother saying that (laughs) because it's just implied. Got to do it. We do record an intro. You better think you're the best. If you're rapping and you don't think you're the best, what are you rapping for? (laughs) But, uh, you know, I try to stay on topic about, um, you know, right now, uh, there's a lot of fucked up policing going on. Yeah. And so... I've got some new stuff that touches on that and, and speaks to that. And I've spoken with, there was actually a, a post that a family member of mine put up on Facebook, like just in general, um, talk about some shit that's happened to you with the police. And like everybody that I knew that's black had a story yeah. about police just fucking with us for one way or another, some more extreme than others, some that I didn't even know had happened and kind of broke my heart when I read them. And realize that my story about being harassed on Agricola and North Street didn't really, I mean, it still sucks and it's not right, but other people are getting it worse and it has to be addressed, right? So I tried to touch on that. Um, One thing that I've been dealing with a lot lately is just kind of being disappointed with, I don't know, humanity as a whole and what we could be doing at this point in time and what we're choosing not to, you know, we're not taking care of each other. And I feel like we know better, but I also think that's human nature. Yeah. I know I shouldn't eat pizza at 10 PM, but I still do. Mm. I know that people shouldn't be sleeping out in the cold. We know that, but we still let them. Yeah. So trying to touch on stuff like that and just bring awareness. Um, but I'm no, you know, I'm no fucking role model or anything like that. I'm just kind of talking about what I see. Um, I think you're a pretty good role model. Yeah, I definitely would say so. And does communicating in this way feel therapeutic to you? Or does it feel more of a responsibility to the outward world? I think a bit of both. Mm -hmm. It's definitely therapeutic to me. Because I do, it's like, it's, 
as much as it's poetry and whatnot, or it's rapping, or but it's also venting. It's like I'm getting these things off of my chest. I'm getting these things out of my head that will just sit and spin around in there if I don't say anything, right? I've got one that talks. I've got a really cool song actually called Golden that's um, just kind of like a black history story, and it just goes from um, you know the transatlantic slave trade all the way up to modern times. And it's a powerful piece and just trying to bring understanding and awareness when I've dealt with a lot of people that have kind of looked and been like, you know, you guys are just out here causing problems. You're not trying to get any better. You're not, you know, black folk aren't doing anything to better their situations and that kind of things. And just trying to put context out there and be like, you know, this is kind of like where the, this is like the history that we're coming from as well as, you know, being marginalized through all the different eras of, and I know Jim Crow is something that happened in the States, but a lot of those same sentiments have happened in Canada. So just trying to put out a little bit of understanding. I'm not saying that people don't do wrong, but I'm also saying that you got to understand where people are coming from. Some people don't have the same opportunities. Some people don't have the amount of free time to do other stuff, you know? It's you the... put the wrong street or the wrong community on your resume and it's going in the trash and then you're going to yell at somebody and say well why don't you get a job right yeah you're doing this stuff to make money why don't you go get a job and it's like well you know that's the stuff that people i don't think think about so that's something that i try to put into my music and put out there um and try to do it tactfully i mean it antagonizes people but it is what it is you know it's the powerful part of art really is yeah how we have we have the ability but i i feel like it is a responsibility as well that if if you feel like you have this method of communication it's frustrating though having said that it's a frustration feeling like maybe we're not taken seriously because yeah. of our way of communicating this and you know talking about policing i worked in the department of justice when mm-hmm. i had the street checks file and mm-hmm. like that very lengthy discussion and nuanced discussion and hearing you talk about the lived experience and just putting so much thought into your art yet people like you weren't sitting at the table right. as part of often that decision making right. that's not to say the community was excluded there there was an effort to have this conversation and inclusivity and you know at least those buzzwords were thrown around of course they always do yeah (laughs) but i i feel like you know i'm almost having this moment of just realization of the the lack of some of the the real boots on the streets voices Mm. such as yours that even having this conversation is like giving me this perspective of how much you ha- how much you have to offer right. uh, and people can choose whether like how much do you even want to be involved in some of these discussions but well, that's it too right like you know how much how much effort and how much time and energy do people like i get into race relation talks with people all the time and it gets fucking exhausting it also sometimes is really therapeutic when yeah. you actually see because the thing that that's frustrating is when you have those conversations with people that you don't know well or you get caught up into something with somebody and it's like you're talking at a at a wall like somebody that just doesn't they don't want to hear you anyway so now i'm just sitting here wasting my breath telling what is coming off as like some sort of sob story and it's just because it's not being heard mm-hmm. so that kind of stuff gets frustrating but when you actually sit down and have those kind of conversations with people that are understanding or trying to be open-minded or trying to learn and change and that kind of stuff, then I think it's helpful. Do you think that by having the platform that you do, having the talents that you do and the voice that you do, Mm -hmm. you feel it is part of your responsibility to voice those concerns? I think so. I think, um, you know, right now with like everything that happened from Breonna Taylor to, to George Floyd, um, you know, if you're rapping right now and you're not taking the time to address, maybe you're missing an opportunity. I wouldn't say yeah. that you're not doing justice to your own art, but mm-hmm. I just feel like, like you said, there's a little bit of responsibility that maybe something has to be said or something can be done. At the end of the day, it's still just making a song, right? So is there more that I can be doing in general? I, th- I often think about that. And we get to choose 
which I'll say cause we want to attach to because mm. it's it's not up to you to represent any cause if you don't feel like exactly, this is yeah. where I want to, this is the space I want to live in. Like yeah. there are endless things that any one of us could portray in our art and it's it's just overwhelming to imagine that you have to speak up on all of them. Yeah. Yeah. No, you do have to kind of like pick and choose. I'm like, I don't, I don't always want to get super preachy cause I'm not perfect, man. Like I don't want to sit and like I said, feel like I'm just berating people or whatever. Like, like I said, people are open-minded to making changes or, or learning or adapting. And that goes both ways. Then maybe we can find some common ground or, or something, but it, I, I try not to get up there and feel like I'm standing at like a pulpit, just barking at people. I, yeah. I don't like that feeling. Um, but at the same time, I do feel like it's worth speaking up about, you know? Do you have your audience in mind when you're creating? Like it's for me, I'm like, I'm always creating like, Oh, I want to like what I create first, mm -hmm. but I also have to be in the back of my mind. Okay. If I'm going to release this and try to get people to come to shows, like they obviously have to like what I'm creating too. Yeah. So it, it's not like the first thing, like I'm not, okay, I'm going to write this song because these people are going to like it, but I also have to make sure that I am aware of who is going to consume it in the end. Yeah. I mean, I do try to, I definitely try to take my audience into, uh, into consideration. Um, I think that it really cut like my guy, Mark, Mark Bashinsky in there is producing some amazing music. And I feel like that the actual beats themselves, the, uh, the musicality of, of these new tracks is something that is going to hook people. It's going to draw people in. Yeah. So then it feels like it is my responsibility to entertain, to put on a good show as well as maybe leave people with something to think about at the end, mm -hmm. after the performance is done. I try not to overshadow it because you know, there's, <laughs> so it's always funny that sometimes he'll come with like this really, he's like, this is going to be an awesome dance beat. And I'll go like hard political on it. And I can just kind of, <laughs> he'll, he'll, he won't say anything, but I can kind of see it where it's like, ah, oh, shit. Okay. Like we're at a party though, yeah, Kyle. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> like, don't, make maybe, a banger. Yeah, ah. make a banger. Let's go. Like, no, this, this is the way, you know, but um, is, is the new, is Black Rook. Mm -hmm. This is your newest, uh, name that yeah, you're going is, under is, is it project name. project the project name do, you, do i say band N i mean no like group feels too much like my grandmother like your new group <laughs> new group uh well it is it's my own stage name okay it's black Rock. okay so okay. i uh it's been a long time i've always um wanted to have a stage name i could never settle on anything love that i could never settle on anything plus i was playing in a band so the caravan was the band i was just kyle from the caravan i was like that's kind of yeah. lame like it's not like you know yeah it's, it's, black a, it's an identity for it's you not, you know yeah exactly so i was sitting here and i was like i gotta be able to because all of a sudden if somebody's like oh do you want to come rap on this track we got such and such, we got this person, and we got Kyle from the character. You know, like no, I had to have my own name, and I couldn't settle on anything. Like, you know, I was going, I tried to go by Torian Gray, which is a play on Dorian Gray. Torian's my middle name. I was like, that's kind of cool, but I was like, eh, maybe, maybe not. Then uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Mike McGuire, uh, Hermit of the Woods. I was sitting, I was like, yeah. I need a hip hop name. He's like, what? what about Don Ultra? I was like, that's pretty dope. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's also the soap. Right. And I did not mean to rhyme that. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is just how you naturally yeah, think. I just, yeah, this is it. It's just Dr. Seuss uh. shit over here. Um, but I remembered, I always, um, when I was a kid, I remember distinctly, it's one of like my earlier memories, not my earliest memory. It was one of those ones that just kind of stood out. And I was sitting in, uh, one of my father's friends was having a party down in Blockhouse in just outside Lunenburg. Um, yeah. And uh, so we're sitting down there and, uh, you know, they're all drinking, they're having a party or whatever. And I was sitting playing with a chessboard and I remembered like just trying to figure out how it moves. And somebody had tried to teach me earlier, but I'm not very good. I'm still not very good at chess for the record. But, uh, I remember picking up the rook, the black rook. And I just remember looking at it and being really infatuated with this little stout castle. He looked really strong. He looked really cool. He wasn't super pretty like the knight. He wasn't kind of weird looking like the bishop and you know, 
the king gets taken out with one move. So as I got older, I was just sitting here. I started playing chess again. Still not very good. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? Let's go by Black Rook. I like it. It's not the, uh, you know, the queen's the strongest piece on the board. The king gets taken down in one shot. Rook's next in line. I'm not royalty. and never have been. Love it. Right? So that's kind of where I got it from. It's it's a great name. And the the new album, how many tracks are on it? We got 12 tracks right now. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah it's good. When's and that out? May 11th. May 11th, album launch at Gus's Pub. 10 bucks at the door. Come down. Our buddy Gladys Knight. Glad it's night. Greatest DJ name ever, by the way. Mm. My boy Glad it's night is is going to be spinning some stuff. And uh, and then we're going to do our show. So how, how does the live performance work? Do you have a crew behind you again? Okay, so we got the homie Mark. He's on yeah. the kit. So we're doing the live drums. Um, then we're going to be doing Glad It's Night is also going to be launching our backing track and doing us, you know, doing his one shots and drop off kind of adding some yeah. dynamics to it. And then myself on the mic. So it's a pretty kind of low key cut down mm-hmm. setup, but it's a huge sound. Yeah. 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 And uh, all the projects Mark's in always are great too, right? Oh, so yeah, man. Yeah. He, uh, and he, he did some touring with Classified at one point, right? Yeah. Yeah. He did. He was drumming with them for, I I think almost like six years. Yeah. And he's he worked with them for a while. Yeah. So you've been, how long have you been working on this new album? About two and a half, three. I think we had it finished at like two and a half years and just were trying to get um, a release date set. We were going to do it. Uh, we had a show back at the Seahorse at the end of summer. We were going to launch it then. We thought about putting it out on vinyl. So we kind of put the hold on that. I realized it was a lot of like, Excuse me. It was a lot of upfront costs and we didn't know, like I haven't performed in years. Nobody's going to know this new name. Right. Let's just go out. We'll just do a soft launch on the, uh, on Spotify or whatever, sell some shirts, have a show. And then we just had a bit of a time trying to get a booking. So I don't know. <laughs> There's not a lot of places to play in town anymore. Yeah, man. there aren't. We hear that often. There's a lack of venues in yeah. the city. And you don't want to play the same place so often that you lose your audience. Like, exactly. oh, I just saw you a couple weeks ago here. Like, it's not exciting anymore. I learned that lesson with the with the caravan. We were doing that too much. We were just playing around town and just, just beat the shit out of the audience. Like, okay, yeah, we've seen you. Right. We've seen all of your songs. We know all your songs. So You got to go to Moncton and play to 12 people for let's, 50 bucks. Let's go. <laughs> I did a million of those gigs. <laughs> go ripping drinks and wise guys. Yeah. Can I ask, why was there this gap in between of performance? I guess the pandemic was lumped in there for starters, but did you consciously take a step away and then this is kind of your rebirth? Yeah, I just kind of... Uh, I don't know. I got a little jaded or disappointed, I suppose. We put out our sophomore album with The Caravan. I thought it was a really good album. I thought that we uh, we proved some stuff on there, that we were, you know, a legitimate band putting out quality content and uh, really wanted to try and get some sort of uh, professional help from the industry side of things. We did Music Nova Scotia Week. We went and pitched our stuff, and it just felt like nobody was able to make that kind of connection. Mm-hmm. Like my biggest downfall is I'm terrible at social media. My social media presence is not great. You know, I am at the end of the day, like an artist, let me do my thing. I just need somebody to help me bridge the gap between doing the the business side of stuff. Right. So that's something I'm trying to work on, but it's definitely probably my weakest point. So feeling like we're paying dues into, you know, music Nova Scotia, we're going, we're doing your showcases, we're playing, um, we're gigging, we're playing shows, we're putting out videos, we're going viral online, we're doing, you know, everything that we can as far as artists is concerned and trying to get just one person to be like, okay, yeah, I can manage you guys. Or yeah, okay, maybe we can we can book some shows or make some connections. Like going and sitting at that, one of those pitch meetings at the table and sitting there talking to somebody across the way who, you know, doesn't seem very interested in anything, they're just there to have a weekend, mm-hmm. is a little bit disheartening. Not everybody's like that, but that's kind of what it feels like when you go to those things. I don't know. I think one of the things that's unfortunate about being from a small province is that there's not many people who actually work on the industry side of things anymore. Like if I was to list every single manager I can think of in the province, it might be four. Right. And what, there's 
5,000 bands or something. It's true. <laughs> yeah. And it's true. booking agents, I can name three. Okay. Like, like we've talked about even me learning management right. because it feels like such a lack and opportunity because mm. we see just so much talent. I mean, how many talented people have even sat in this room with yeah. us? And consistently, the this representation side, the industry side, mm-hmm. and I can totally relate, Kyle, to what you're saying just about being any kind of creative person. It's like, I'm good at this thing, yeah. but you also are now expected to be great at marketing, social media, accounting, like endless skills that this isn't my thing, though. I'm an artist. I'm the yeah, creative and person. And I'm not trying to, you know, be like, I'm just, I'm just an artist. Just follow me around. I'm an, you know, like, sure. there's the, the, you know, there's the real world side of things, too, is like, Yes, I'm an artist, but I'm also not being paid to be an artist. So in order to eat, I'm right. My time is stretched out between a million other things, trying to balance that. So putting together all these songs, that's why it took so long to to make this album was in between life. Yeah, and you're you're yeah. working full time jobs, yeah. plural. Jobs, plural. Yeah, plural. <laughs> it's a little crazy. I gotta I gotta learn to take a vacation, but you know, <laughs> that's life nowadays. I don't know anybody that isn't. Yeah. Really? I really don't. There's only a few people that I know that aren't working two jobs, but like even when I was driving bus at transit, you know, the, the people that were only driving at transit and I don't know, I'm not trying to start a fucking war with people at transit. Y'all are great. (laughs) Y'all respect the bus drivers. They're working their asses off out there. But you know, if the people that are just working at transit, if you want to make a good, a decent living, you're on the spare board working the overtime shifts nonstop. Yeah. Or you're working a regular shift 40 hours a week and you get a second gig. Or there were a couple of drivers where their spouses made, where the breadwinners had made a ton of money and they were doing it because they uh, either needed to get out of the house or just wanted to do a job. Or, you know, some people love driving the bus. It is what it is. But yeah. for a good, um, for a good city job, the money didn't go as far as you hoped it would. So everybody that I knew that was working that kind of job is, is hustling on the side. Were you working on driving bus during the pandemic? I was for a bit. Yeah. I was for a bit. And then I took a leave. Cause that felt just like insanely stressful from an outsider looking in. I know lots of people's lives and jobs were, of course, mm-hmm. uh, that in particular would have been a lot of adjustments to, to make. It was pretty wild. It was pretty wild. Our cat is not dying, but he is meowing. It's yes. Yeah, I'll, hi, George. I'll let you out, buddy. How many animals do you guys have now, Kyle? Oh, you guys geez. have always had. I've always had too many. Mike used to live in a house that was once occupied entirely by reptiles. Yeah, it was. Well, before I moved in, it was uh, a family hosted the reptile show for Nova Scotia, and they'd tour around. Oh, with shit. Uh, <laughs> with uh, snakes and lizards and whatever. But I remember going to look at this place, and we didn't know anything about this. We're like, oh, let's just go check out this spot that's for rent. Mm-hmm. And we walk in, and there's just this wall of <laughs> reptiles. And I think, I might be wrong, but I'm, there's a Komodo dragon sitting on the couch just friggin' Not in the cage. Just I don't out. know if you're allowed to have them in Canada or not. I don't think so. It's a man. giant. They're, like, they're poisonous. It's a giant. I don't know lizard. that anything was legal about that apartment. <laughs> yeah. Actually, but I mean, I guess if they're the reptile show, maybe they're allowed to have. They probably yeah. have a special license to have yeah. those kind of animals. But it should have been in a cage when uh, strangers were getting a tour of the house. But anyway, you we... tell it to go in its cage. <laughs> I'm not telling it to go in its cage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting there drinking your last beer. I think it was a. It might have been a baby one, but it's it scary anyway. We, yeah. we end up taking the place, so. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. It's a very How was the Komodo pet? dragon as a roommate? Well, thankfully, they left before uh, we got in there. All right. But the uh, family actually split rent like a few weeks early, and uh, I think they let loose all the uh, the crickets that they would have fed one of the creatures so when we when we moved in, there was thousands of crickets in the house. They just let them go in the house. Yeah, that's wild. I think it was to piss off the landlord, who gave, said, "I'll knock fifty bucks off the first month's rent for you to take care of the crickets." And we we're like, "Oh, well, that's the best deal of the <laughs> soul." Yeah, so <laughs> fifty bucks. So yeah, Let's then go. I, 
three weeks into no sleep, just friggin' we're losing our minds. But anyway, that's life. Wow. Wow. So May 11th is going to be, what's your rehearsing look like? Are you psyched to be in front of a live audience again? Are yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm feeling like I finally found my voice. You know, when they say like an artist finds, yeah. finds their voice or whatever, yeah. right? Like this time, this new album is, it, I mean, I got to do a little bit of fast map. I got to do it. I'm sorry, guys. But uh, <laughs> I feel like I really spaced it out. I really got a little bit more direct um, and a little more honest. And yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited to share it. I think it's I think people are really going to like it. Is it out online? Going to be online? Or? It's, it'll be up on Spotify and Apple Music every, everywhere that you get your music yeah. online. Yeah. You have Flow so. State out right yeah, now? Yeah, that That's was your the first, first single? Yeah. First teaser. We haven't even put out a single yet. Okay. And that was just kind of a, you know what, I'm just going to do this thing. It was funny because we had, what did we have? We had eight songs and Mark had sent off an email being like, here's these kind of beats. I don't know what to do with them. And they sat in my inbox for months. And then in the last... I wouldn't say like not recently, but in about a three week span, I salvaged all of them. I was like, nope, we're using this one for this. We're using this one. I got something for that one. I got something for this one. And flow state was one where it was just like the way he had arranged it. That was all it was, was just that little section. And Mm -hmm. then, then it just stopped a little two minute thing. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to have fun with it. So I went and did that. And then I was like, okay, I'll call up my buddy Riley Smith from Riley Smith Photography. He wanted to do some video. I wanted to shoot a video. Let's go out and, and do something. So we went down there and uh, down the Dartmouth waterfront and, and filmed that up. Pretty fun. How does this part of your life feel in terms of your future, what it has to offer you now? Is it? Do you see it more as a, a side hustle, uh, an ambition? How do you feel about this? I just, uh, I just like putting out quality music. Um, I've put a lot into music in the past. So is it a side hustle? Am I trying to make money off of it? Am I just trying to express myself? Am I just trying to do justice to the art form? Am I just trying to get thoughts out of my head? It's a little bit of all the above. Love it. Yeah. Right. Um, touring, I'd be open to, but it's one of those things that I just, you know, I'm a grown man now. I got responsibilities. I got bills to pay to go and disappear for three months on music is a hard, it's a hard leap to take if it's on the right, you know, if it works out in the right, the right sense and it makes, and it makes sense. I do it, do it in a heartbeat, but you know, like such a gamble. So rolling that around in my head right now, but I feel like this project in and of itself is something that's I think people are going to like it. I really appreciate your honesty. And I think it's important to have that clarity, even for listeners, that being an artist doesn't have to be all or nothing. And and whatever your all or nothing looks like is different for all of us as well. Right. So being all in, like for us, can be just, can we pay our mortgage by living this life? How lucky are we? Yeah. Like that's the extent that it has to get. If you want to take it further... You try, you put that effort in, but it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be any end result. Yeah. Like we, we like the idea of, we actually don't have a retirement date. We get to do this thing we enjoy till the end of our days. And that feels really exciting. No, that'd be cool. Yeah. Well, man, we're very honored to have you in this seat here. Hot Jupiter Sounds. This is what the studio's called. Hot hot Jupiter? Hot Hot, Hot Jupiter. Hot Jupiter. Yeah, well, and uh, in. we uh, we're big fans of what you do, well, and you. getting to find out a little bit more about you just you know really brings it even more uh, to light and just lets us appreciate you even more, man. So thanks, dude. We we uh, yeah, we appreciate you for being who you are and keep doing that and keep bringing that positive energy and education to the world. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, we're excited for the new tunes and the big Good. show and uh invite everybody to come out and check share it. that event. Yeah, share the May eleventh, Gus's Pub, come on down. We're starting right from the right from the fucking foundation of the music scene again. Yeah. That's that's kind of fun in and of itself again. Instead of being like there's this part and he's like, oh, I want to get on stage and you know, right where I left off, right where I left off. And it's like, no, man, like this is a whole new thing. You gotta you gotta rebuild it again. 
Yeah, it's exciting. Right, so let's go, Gus's Pub, man. Congratulations, 11th. too. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So I came bearing gifts. You did? Ah. Yeah. So thank you very much for the opportunity to come on to your show. Okay. But yeah, and naturally, I came with some we- shit. I forgot to break out the snacks. God damn it. <laughs> Are they edible gifts? Well, one was, you're going to share these like, real fruit candies. Oh, okay, yeah, there. we are. Totally Let's see what forgot. we got. Yes, real fruit, medley, plant-based. Love it. Certified plant-based. I heard this you're- is the shit. Oh. So we got you, man. Oh, roast Kyle chicken chips. roast chicken chips. You know what's up. Someone knows what's up for sure. You're a serial killer, so there you go. Oh, cinnamon <laughs> toast crunch, and they're churros too. Don't even know. Kyle, get after it. I do, I have no words. <laughs> this is so so thoughtful. What's this? Well, okay, today. there's something pizza else coming veil. out of this bag. A jacket, a Pizzaville <gasps> jacket. jacket. Oh my god! It was a rainy day. Whoa, buddy! I got to put this on and run outside right 100%, now. Man. We were not we were not expecting this. Do you know, when I was in college, I used to have anywhere between 10 and 12 boxes of cereal in my cupboard at all time. Like, that was my... When you guys were living down off Tower Road, and we came <laughs> over for the party. I remember that. <laughs> you opened up a closet, and there was just, like, a wall of cereal. And you poured up a bowl, I like, guess, yeah, just what I snack on. <laughs> I can't believe all these years later, that's so memorable about me, is the quantity of cereal uh... I consumed. But I've got a big Jesus box of it now. Thank you. Not eating cereal anymore. Oh, I'll eat this cereal. Okay, there we go. Don't worry. Don't worry. Get it in you. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. We never had somebody bring us so many gifts. Well, your jacket—I mean, your jackets are always on point. Every one of your photos, you got a legendary jacket. So feels like it's pretty good quality, actually. Like it's (laughs) like I'm like, oh, it's gonna be one of those you can like rip in half, but it feels like it's pretty good. (laughs) Top notch from the double V, man. Yeah, man. Wow. That's very much appreciated, buddy. Um, yeah, well, we're going to go have our snacks now. Perfect. Yeah. Cheers. All right, May 11th, Gus's Pop, Black Woo. Rock, album release, Gladys Knight. Be there. Let's go. Check out the show notes. All the links are there. Weak ass MCs are screaming, please, no, please go. I can't leave. I got to squeeze, mo, squeeze slow. Grease my palm, and I might catch and release your weak flow. Because everybody love your freak show. You fender bend a beat. Boy, I hit it like a T-bone. Take a knee, Holmes, you're dethroned. They want the illest out of Scotia. You're looking for the rock, man. I'm chilling in the back row. Understated of the states, man. Put you in your place while I'm cooling in my club. Master Ray Band. It's like a smirk off your face. You ain't fucking with the pace. Got the flow lace. Hook you off a taste, fam. Extra cryptic vocabulary mystic. The way I spin a story, leave that allegory twisted. But you ain't listening. You never been. Every penny you touch, disgrace, irrelevant. Leaving pages of shame that blame for your emptiness. You're waking up a stage. You got me walking out the grave like a revenant. Man, I'm eternal, no flex, no jewels, no Rolex Just a boom bap rapper as cold as the flow gets Nobody wanna go first, go last, or go next When it comes to the rhymes, your man's comes correct Your mediocre lane, so-so, no contest I spit a verse like an ancient Sumerian soul text Too deep, too wise, maybe too complex I'ma simplify the fly shit cause you're riding your depth More heart, more bars, like a suicide vest You ain't said it with your chest, you ain't brought that bomb yet in the back